Hello, my friends, and welcome back and to another episode of The Informed Catholic. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you some um, extra Advent readings. Um, sometimes the church um, tries to narrow it down to um, the number of days, and there are, there are like from December 17th all the way to... Uh, 18, and I believe it goes into 19, and it picks up, you know, uh, 20. So there are certain readings because we didn't get to touch upon because of um, how it got narrowed down, because we got we got through the four week of Advent, and of course I didn't know there was extra readings that from 17th to 19th. So I'm going to cover these these days. So um, we're going to start from December 17th and we're going to cover these readings and reflect on them a little bit. All right. December 17th, Entrance Antiphon. Rejoice, O heavens, and exult, O earth, for our Lord will come to show mercy to his people. This is from Isaiah 49, 13. Okay. Rejoice, O heavens, and exult, O earth, for our Lord will come to show us mercy to his people. Let's, uh, let's open up with a uh, prayer and acknowledgement of our Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, the words here, Rejoice, O heavens, and exult, O earth, for our Lord will come to show mercy to his people. Now, think about it. This was written thousands of years ago thousands of years ago and you know we like to think we're so sophisticated so advanced so above the ancients and at the same time we kind of like there's a paradox where we go back and we admire let's say these people like say indigenous people who live uh, off the land and are at peace with with you know um <laughs> nature and in harmony with nature and and they they don't they don't uh, uh abuse the land you notice like what we, we know these environmentalists and you know um hipsters who who basically you know are trying to recapture their own eden so to speak but notice the words here of isaiah rejoice o heavens and exult, O earth, for our Lord will come to show mercy to the poor. This was written thousands of years ago under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit. Mercy to the poor, for our Lord will come to show mercy to the poor. We're talking about an age of when there was a lot of violence, barbarians and warlords like Nebuchadnezzar going around ransacking the land, enslaving people, 
And yet, like you, you, you're, you're talking about warriors like Alexander the Great and the Egyptian pharaohs and a time of uh, Hannibal, uh, the, the conqueror from Carthage, men like Julius Caesar, Mark Anthony, men who lived by the sword and died by the sword. And this, this, this prophet gets an inspiration. And this here, rejoice, O heavens, and exult, O earth, for our Lord will come to show mercy to the poor. A complete, total opposite from all those men with swords and weapons in their hand, with armies behind them. This is something to think about. So, let me give the collect prayer here. O oh God, creator and redeemer of, of human nature, who willed that your word should take flesh in an ever-virgin womb, look with favor on our prayers that your only begotten Son, having taken to himself our humanity, may be pleased to grant us a share in his divinity, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Here we can see that the church is giving acknowledgement and praise to the Holy Spirit, which is how our Lord Jesus came incarnate, took, womb, to, took flesh within the womb of, of the ever-Virgin Mary. Here they're acknowledging it. You will that your word, you, will, who, you who will that your word would take flesh in the ever-Virgin womb. Beautiful. It just, our religion, our faith, our Catholic faith, is always reminding us that God is present. It's always reminding us of the presence of the Lord Jesus in our lives. That he, that he, that he is even now present. Even though he walked on earth for a short time, he's still present among us. He's still with us. Okay, so let's move on to the first reading in Genesis chapter 49, verse 2, starting from uh, 49, chapter 49, starting from verse 2 to 8, 8 to 10. Okay, Genesis chapter 49, starting verse 2, and then from 8 to 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. A reading from the book of Genesis. Jacob called his sons and said to them, Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. You, Judah, shall your brothers praise, your hand on the neck of your enemies. The sons of your father shall bow down to you. Judah, like a lion's whelp, you have grown up on prey, my son. He crouches like a lion's recampant, the king of beasts who would dare rouse him. The scepter shall never depart from Judah or the mace from between his legs. While tributes is brought to him, 
and he receives the people's homage. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. This is Jacob um, after <laughs> many years of uh, trial and tribulation being put to the test. Um, the, uh, the epic of his uh, married life and uh, family life and also the epic adventures of his son Joseph who was a type figure of Jesus who was betrayed by his uh, his brothers a picture of the uh, of the betrayal of uh, the denial and betrayal of Christ he was sold for 20 pieces of silver I always find that very interesting that for Joseph, it was 20 pieces of silver. His brothers turned on him, threw him into a, an empty well, a pit, kind of like a picture of the of uh, the tomb of Christ, you know, burial. But the fact it was an empty well kind of shows um, that at that time there was no grace. There was no... Uh, there was no water of grace in the lives of, of, uh, of the, in the life of the world, not just the life of his people, but even in his family, there was empty of the water of grace, the water of the Holy spirit, the life giving water that would, that the world desperately needed. And then they, they sold him and they took his beautiful coat that his father gave him tore it to shreds and soaked it in uh, a lamb or a goat's blood and presented to the father. He was attacked by wild beasts, nearly killing their father with grief because Joseph was the son of his old age and the wife that he really loved uh, who died and ironically was buried in Ephrathah or Bethlehem what would become Bethlehem. She was buried at the gates of Bethlehem. And she's the mother of Joseph and his younger baby brother, Benjamin. So you can see the, the connection there. You know, um, Rachel, which is what uh, Joseph's favorite wife, and the prophecy uh, later on after the murder and slaughter of the holy innocents by Herod, Rachel weeping for her children because they were no more. So you see, you see how all the connection is there. Well, now Joseph became literally like prime minister, second in power to Egypt, the, the world's empire at the time. And Jacob now is going to die in Egypt and he will be buried by, he wants to be buried in his own land. And here, he's he's giving a prophecy to all to all his sons about their role that they're going to play in their descendants are going to play in the history of their people. Here he tells Judah, one of his sons, that you out of you will come kings. Out of you will come the king of kings. Although he doesn't say it, here he mentions the lion of Judah. The lion, Judah will be like a lion. 
Jesus, Jesus has often been called the Lion of Judah because that's the symbol of royalhood, of power. A lion was always pictured because of its mane. It was like a crown and it's regal looking. And basically in the ancient world, and there was probably lions, wild animals roaming around that time. Uh, by the time of Jesus, there is no more lions. They've all been hunted down and in the area. The land was changing. You can claim you can claim if you want maybe the world was going through climate change the world's always been going through climate change and the lion judah itself will have a scepter and the power to hunt the power to cut the, the mace although a picture of sort of like threatening to capture his enemies it was in a sense it was a picture of capturing people into the grace that would one day become the grace of christ to bring him into the, 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 eternal, the eternal life of Christ. So Jacob is giving a prophecy. He's basically saying what each family member, all of them, what their descendants will be playing. And we can see that here. This is all a prefiguration. What was, you know, what was you know, a very human and very mortal behavior of the people. The opposite will be one day, when Christ comes on earth and Jesus is the true Joseph, the true, the true lion of Judah, not the earthly political ones that constantly make horrible mistakes and make, makes very bad moral judgment and everything. Cause Jesus is even better. He's the true David, better than the David of the past who committed adultery and murder. And definitely Jesus is way, uh, way better than any earthly uh, king from Judah, even after David, far better than Solomon, far better than any of them, and far more merciful, far more loving than any, or even to this day, no ruler on earth could compare to Jesus Christ. No politician with personal interests and personal ambitions, definitely not. You can't accuse Christ of any of those things. All right, let's move on to the psalm. So the church gives us that as a callback to showing you Jesus' ancestry of where it all started, the very primitive roots of it, the, the, the importance of it. Because, you know, we have... Uh, one of the things I want to say, we have a habit of looking down. I mean, now we live in a time where we want to tear everything down. And uh, especially with the very Marxist socialist view, destroy the past so people can't have anything to look back to. And honestly, if you look at, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people, a lot of people I work with, they feel lost. They feel their lives is meaningless. They feel their existence today is meaningless. And myself like I come from a Middle Eastern family background and uh, Arabs look back to their ancestors they look back because you're connected good they're, they're part of you good or bad the you're a product of the good and the bad you know the other day I watched that Shang-Chi uh, film and there's a scene where his mother's his mother's sister his aunt tells him uh, you know in this fantasy story um, 
you have to accept the fact that you're a product of both the good and the bad. You have to embrace both. And the problem here is that we have a, a whole generation, a whole, this whole philosophy that comes out of the, the Marxist idea you know, of white guilt, white privilege, uh, you know, uh, you know, and they don't want to let go of it. It's, it's like they just, they just want to use it as a beating stick without really like a, an ugly stick to beat someone with, but they're not coming up with solutions. Or even if they do come up with solutions, they're constantly reinventing the solution at, a, at, at some kind of senseless impulse. And you just want the person to be in, to, to live in the guilt rather than to be in solution. There's no real harmony. There's no real uh, meaning of the minds. There's no real, um, you know, like the, none of the Martin Luther King's, uh, you know, a, a more peaceful aspect of coming up with a, a better world. But instead, just guilt, a weaponized form of, 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 uh, of guilt against the enemy. And that's, that's not, that's not what it is. You need, you need to accept it. Asian Americans, Chinese Americans have a thing where they, they honor their family, those who passed before them. They don't forget them. They don't forget the past because, you know, the past is part of them. And we, we as Catholics, we have a thing where we pray for those in purgatory. We pray for them. And, you know, we know in our gospel, we have a thing where Jesus talks to the, the, the spirit, the souls of, Mo, of uh, Moses and Elijah. And Jesus himself knows all the people of, of the past. He knows all his ancestors. And this is, this is something we need to start, to start, to start, I think, remembering. I think the more we remember who we are, good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the more we, the more we will be more at peace. It's a way of making peace with yourself. You can't deny who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are now. This is how you got to be here. And I don't think, I think with Marxism, it doesn't. It wants to have the power to control people's past, the present, and future. It's, and it, all this comes from the devil. It comes from L Lucifer. He's been trying to destroy the past. He tried doing it with the French Revolution. I was listening to something about a, a beautiful icon statue uh, that the French had. Um, that was taken, dragging through the mud of the mother and child of the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary and Jesus, and then they guillotined it. <laughs> you believe it? A statue of the Blessed Mother and Jesus. They guillotined and they destroyed. Again, to wipe out the past. Very similar to what's been happening now. Okay, this is the kind of world we live in. This is the world that was that that they're trying to create. All right, let's go to Psalm 72. 
justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. O God, with your judgment endow the king and with your justice the king's son. He shall govern your people with justice and your afflicted ones with judgment. Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. The mountains shall yield peace for the people and the hills justice. He shall defend the afflicted among the people, save the children of the poor. Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. Justice shall flower in his days and the profound peace till the moon be no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the, from the river to the ends of the earth. Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. May his name be blessed forever. As long as the sun, his name shall remain. In him shall all the tribes of the earth be blessed. All the nations shall proclaim his happiness. Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. Amen. So again, the church puts this psalm here to talk about the coming king, the king who will bring peace and shall and, and, and help the poor. He shall say he, he shall defend the afflicted among the people, save the children of the poor. That's I mean, think about it. This was written thousands of years ago. This is how they thought thousands of years ago. I mean, think about it. I mean, you allow these people, they'll, they'll destroy every memory of this if you, if you, if you let them. Uh, justice shall flower in his days and profound peace till the moon be no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. Why the moon? Because that's how they used to judge the season times of the year. How many full moons, how many eclipses tell, tell them the, the months. May his name be blessed forever, as long as the sun, his name shall remain. The sun, because it's the strongest, brightest, brightest of all ornaments in the sky. In him shall the tribes of the earth be blessed. All the nations shall proclaim his happiness. It goes from the tribes to all the nations. It's talking about the Christ. It's talking about the savior of the world that is to come and save mankind from sin. All right, let's move on from there. All right, so now we get to the gospel. And this is going to be a long one. Uh, alleluia, alleluia. O wisdom of our God most high, guiding the creation with power and love, come to reach us the path of knowledge. Alleluia, alleluia. O wisdom of our God most high, guiding creation with power and love, Come to teach us the path of knowledge. Alleluia, alleluia. It sounds like it's from the uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's the hymn that we sing during Christmas. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O wisdom of our God most high, guiding creation with power and love, come to teach us the path of knowledge. Okay, so let's move on here. And this is a reading from the beginning of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Chapter 1, verse 1 to 17. It's a long one. 
the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. I know a lot of people cringe when it comes to genealogies here. and A lot of people want to skip it, but trust me, you don't want to. Um, I'm going to try to help as best as I can to, to get you to, to understand what's happening here. The, the beginning of the book, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerih, whose name was Tamara. Perez became the father of Hazran, Hazran, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amanadab. Amanadab became the father of Nahashan, Nahashan, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rehab. Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David the king. David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon became the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph. Asaph became the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Uram. Yeram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah became the father of Johatham. Johatham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amos. Amos, the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Johaniah and his brothers at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian, uh, Babylonian exile, Jehaniah became the father of Shelatel, Shelatel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Obayat, Obayat became the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azur, Azur the father of Zodak, Zodak became the father of Achaim, Achaim the father of Eliud, Eliud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar became the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of her was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Thus the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14 generations. From David to the Babylonian exile, 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to the Christ, 14 generations. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the son of, da the son of David and son of Abraham. Now, you're probably thinking there really wasn't much there for you, right? You're probably thinking, oh my gosh, there was like, no, we just read, we just read recently, a couple of days ago, the gospel of the birth of Jesus from Matthew. And what here, the reason why the church puts it here for you, because you really, we all need to pay attention here. This is why Catholics should read their Bible. Notice here. Sometimes some translators put down the, the beginning of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It should be put like that because it should call you back, your mind back to Genesis and it should recall your mind to the beginning of the gospel of John. It, this, is a, this is not the best translation here. It should be the beginning of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. What's interesting here is 
They put David before Abraham. When it should be Abraham before David. But no, why does Matthew do this? Because the Messiah, it narrows down to son of David. David is a descendant of Abraham. So technically Matthew is right the way he puts it. Because the, the Messiah king was promised to David. To Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So, you know, and before Abraham came Noah, the flood, and before the flood of Noah was the garden. There's a connection there. The story begins in the garden in Genesis, and the story of the resurrection ends in the garden. He gets buried in the garden. It starts with a new Adam and, and Eve. It ends with an Adam and Eve. Our blessed mother is the role of Eve. She's the true Eve, the mother of the living. The test began in the garden. And the test again was went into a garden when Jesus went the night into the garden in Gethsemane. All this was meant is meant to, to for you to connect the dots. Okay, so it goes it goes from there after he puts the two important titles, the two important figures of history, David and Abraham. And then it goes it goes to the genealogy, the historical genealogy. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac. Abraham was tested. Give me your son, your only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him to me on a place I will show you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All right? This is meant to sparkle your mind back, to bring your mind to that event. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah. Okay, so he goes to Isaac, who was tested. And then again, there was another test. We find another test. And this test was when um, Jacob, prompted by his mother to pretend to be Esau, deceived his father. Who was deceived? Who was beguiled and deceived? In the garden, in the garden, Eve and Adam. Also, Abraham was put to the test, not just with Isaac, but before that, remember what happened when his wife, Sarah, convinced him to take the girl, uh, Hagar. And she, Hagar was, was caught up in a crazy thing. She was forced she was a slave girl, and then she gave birth to Ishmael. And then later on, when Sarah was given birth to Isaac, she forced Abraham to throw to cast out Hagar and her son. Cruel thing. But again, a test. A test just like Adam was tested. And of course, um, Jacob, once he committed this horrible deception with his father, pretending to be Esau, stealing the blessing, Jacob was forced to run. Just like 
Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden to flee from the sight of the, uh, you know, of the Lord or cast out again, like an Adam and Eve. And then you had the situation with, um, uh, again, with, with, uh, uh, Jacob, he had to flee. And then he was then when he flew, when he was fleed, he got to his uncle Leban's house. He was deceived. <laughs> Just, he deceived his father. He wound up being deceived. The theme keeps repeating over and over again. And then we have again we go on from Judah, right? Judah, who was uh who had some sons and his daughter in law Tamara, they in the story, well, um, uh, one of them, uh, her, her husband, Judah's son, died, and another one then died because he spilled his seed on the ground. I mean, it's, I know it's all uh, crazy sexual stuff. Of course, Noah was also put to the test later on, but Noah's not mentioned here because it's picking up from a different point of view history. Luke picks that up later on. Again, um, he he didn't keep his promise to her that he would send one of his other sons to father children in his place. Then she dressed up and pretended to be a prostitute, a harlot on the road. Turns out he, uh, he has little funky habits. He decides to go ahead and uh, pay her for, uh, for her sexual favors. And she, uh, he didn't have any money to pay her or a goat or anything, whatever it costs for these things. And he wound up, uh, she wound up stealing his his emblems, his symbols, and when later on it was known that she was pregnant, he decided he didn't know it was her as a prostitute. He was deceived, and then she um, came out and revealed that she's pregnant because of him, because he didn't keep his promise. So he admitted it to it. So again, these people seem to have a habit of constantly deceiving each other, but there's a theme in it going on in there, and it goes on from there to. Um, other uh, other situations. Again, so we have here also something else you should pay attention to. Tamara is the first woman. She was not a she was not a Hebrew. She was a Canaanite. Later on, going on down the road, we're going to stick to the th four women come onto the scene. Four women. Tamara, who was a, a, a non-Hebrew, and then later on, as the story goes on, continues. Uh, you get the fall of the wall of the, the walls of Jericho, and they get a, a two uh, some of Joshua's spies going to the city, and they were helped by a prostitute, a harlot called Rahab, another woman of the street, kind of woman like Tamara had a sexual sort of reputation. So does Rahab with her family. That's how she supported her family. She helped them. She helped them. And then she wound up becoming um, uh, the father. Um, let me see here. Hold on. Salman, someone by the name of uh, Salman, uh, who was uh, married Rahab, and it became the father of Boaz. Again, Boaz was a judge, and he wound up marrying Ruth, who herself was a Moabite, 
and she came, she was not Jewish. She came from the land of Moab. And if you remember how the Moabites were born, uh, Lot's daughters, after they escaped Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's daughters were not innocent girls. They were, they got into the cult, sexual cult of Sodom and they got their father drunk. The Ammonites were born from incest. They, they had sex with their father while he was drunk and the uh, Moabites were born from the other sister. And Ruth is a descendant of the Moabites, who, according to the law of Moses, was not allowed to take part in the assembly of the Lord. It's, it's you know, you see the whole the family tree here. Then it goes on. Anyway, Ruth became uh, a grandmother of King David. His father, Jesse, is Ruth's son. And then going on from there, we go to King David, who became the father of Solomon. But remember what happened. Uh, he took Solomon's mother was the wife of Uriah. She's not even mentioned because Matthew is using a rabbinical t t technique. They don't want to acknowledge the woman, but she is. She is. She's an important role. And so. Um, Solomon's mother was a Hittite. So in Jesus' family tree, he has um, Tamara, the Canaanite. Then you have Rahab, another Canaanite. And then you have Ruth, a Moabitess, a Moabite. And then you have Bathsheba, the, the, the wife of King David, who he committed adultery with and is became the mother of King Solomon. Why does Matthew do design it this way? Because he's calling back the names for Jews. Jews are very big on genealogy. Genealogy tells the story and tells you about who you are and how your people came to be. Mary was accused by the opponents of Christianity, by uh, rabbinical rabbis or Pharisees, to be a dishonorable woman who gave birth to Jesus under mysterious, strange circumstances. They're dismissing him. So Matthew's saying, well, what about all these women in the family tree? Are you going to dismiss them too? Should the whole line of the house of David be dismissed because of them? Very interesting, right? Very interesting. Well, this is the role. This is this is this is it here. Matthew is simply using a technique that they use and he's throwing it back in their face. This is why you should read the Bible. And this is it here. It's uh quite amazing. So all right, so now we'll go on to the next one here. Uh let's just we're going to end it here and I'll pick up later on with another one. All right. Uh, I don't want to make it too long for you guys, but just this is showing you how you could read it. So let's uh, say in our father, 
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.